What's driving those crazy fertilizer prices? And what does that mean for your farm in 2023? Welcome to Around Farm Progress, a podcast that looks at agriculture issues across the country. I'm Willie Vogt, your host and editorial director for Farm Progress. To explain to someone who doesn't farm what's happening in the fertilizer market is a challenge. I know, I've tried. Mainly discussing with friends why their lawn care prices are up. But for farmers, this is serious business. And what market forces are driving this change and these increases? It turns out it's a little more complicated than a war in Ukraine. Mike Rahm has long been involved in the fertilizer industry, working for different companies in his 35-plus year career, including Mosaic, Cargill Crop Nutrition, and IMC Global. He's working as a consultant now, and he offers his perspective on this market and the forces at work. Mike Rom, welcome to Around Farm Progress. I wanted to talk to you today as someone who's followed the fertilizer industry as long as you have about what you're seeing now here in uh, the latter part of 2022 and how you're looking at the market in 2023. Yeah, I'd characterize there, there are a lot of moving parts in uh, the global fertilizer markets today. Um, on the demand side of the equation, uh, you know, I think the demand prospects still remain very good. You know, crop prices are elevated. Uh, you're talking about... Uh, 22 new crop prices that are uh, over $6 for corn and over $14 for soybeans. And looking at the 23 uh, crop prices, they're approaching those levels as well. So crop prices remain elevated, and that that supports uh, fertilizer demand uh, around the world. And I, I guess when you take a look at demand, um, you know, the poster child for demand you know, continues to be Brazil. They've had huge appetites for, you know, particularly for phosphate and potash. And so I think I think the bottom line is while there has been demand destruction in various parts of the world due to very high prices, um, price is simply doing its job of equating supply and demand. And uh, we'll talk about some of the supply shocks and supply adjustments that have taken place uh, here over the last year, which uh, I think has been an important driver of those higher prices. But bottom line, I think uh, you know demand um, you know looks okay, supported by continued high um, or elevated uh, agricultural commodity prices. I think what's really interesting is what, what's happened on the supply side. Uh, and just going down through nitrogen, phosphate, and potash, there have been some real significant developments or shocks uh, on you know for all three nutrients. And, and in the case of nitrogen, you have to look at natural gas prices in Europe. Uh, gas prices have you know surged to over sixty dollars uh, an MMBTU. Uh, if you take a look at what that implies for the cost of producing anhydrous ammonia in Europe, it's uh, over twenty three hundred dollars per metric ton. And Europe is a is a significant uh, nitrogen you know producing region, about sixteen million tons of anhydrous ammonia capacity, uh, and and that capacity cannot run at at gas prices that high. So. You know, much of that industry shuts down. Uh, Europe pulls in uh, nitrogen from all parts of the world, and that that is one of the reasons for um, you know high nitrogen prices worldwide. And unfortunately, as you look into 2023, the forward curve or the strip for the winter heating season in Europe remains elevated. Um, prices are in that $60 per MMBTU range as of you know the middle of August. Uh, so uh, I, I think uh, absent something significant changing, you know, the natural gas situation in Europe, that is going to keep nitrogen prices uh, elevated. 
And then that, that has a knock-on effect. Uh, obviously, anhydrous ammonia is an important input in producing finished phosphate fertilizers. So uh, you have a very high uh, input cost there. And then on, in the case of phosphate, the, you know, kind of the, the supply shock or supply adjustment comes from China. Uh, China, as uh, you, you may or may not know, uh, was the world's largest phosphate importer uh, 20 uh, or 25 years ago. Uh, they developed a domestic phosphate industry themselves, and you know the Chinese are very good at building plants and um, <clears throat> increasing production. and And they they built an industry that became the you know largest phosphate exporter in the world. And one of the things we're seeing right now is I think there's some fundamental changes taking place in um, uh, China today, where they're 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 changing their policy and saying we have limited uh, energy resources, limited phosphate uh, mineral resources and we're going to focus our efforts on you know keeping those for you know domestic uh, producers in China so as an example in 2021 China exported uh, 10 million tons of diammonium phosphate and monoammonium phosphate the two leading phosphate products um, so far you know in in October of 2021 they implemented a policy to inspect uh, exports um, to sort of close the door uh, on on those, and it, uh, it it appears that in 2022, uh, China will probably export you know maybe five and a half million tons of, of products. So you you've seen their exports you know basically cut in half, and that that's a big shock uh, in in terms of the phosphate market worldwide. And then uh, the, the other factor in phosphate that's that's positive, I think, is. Um, very recently here, we've seen an absolute collapse of sulfur prices. I mentioned that ammonia is mm -hmm. one of the key uh, inputs in producing finished phosphate fertilizer. Sulfur is also uh, a very important uh, input. <clears throat> and sulfur prices have collapsed. In the Middle East spot price dropped from about $480 in July to less than $80 a ton uh, in August. And that was largely due to, again, supply and demand conditions that um, with China cutting back exports, they're not producing as much phosphate. They're not buying as much sulfur. As a consequence, demand has dropped off. And, and even some of the metals leaching uh, industries, um, demand has dropped off there because of the economic slowdown. So you've had sulfur demand wane a bit. And at the same time, a lot of the refineries uh, in most parts of the world, and especially the Middle East, we're running very hard to compensate for some of the reductions coming from Russia because of the war. Right. And as a, as a result, you've simply had an, an imbalance and, you know, you, you get a, a few too many tons and, and prices for these commodities collapse. And that's what we've seen in uh, the case of sulfur. So that, that's, that's very good news, I think, for the phosphate market in that while there are some, you know, continued positive fundamental, bullish fundamental developments in phosphate, this is an, an important bearish fundamental development that hopefully uh, will result in a bit of a price reset for phosphate. And then the last, the last nutri nutrient, uh, potassium, um, you know, the big shock there is what's happened in, in Belarus. Um, in the case of potash, there are three countries that account for a big chunk of production and an even bigger chunk of exports, and that is Canada, uh, Russia, and Belarus. And with the human rights issues uh, in Belarus uh, following the uh, election uh, in, I believe, 2020. Uh, countries have imposed sanctions. And, and one of the countries that has really taken a tough stance uh, against Belarus is Lithuania. Huh. And 
uh, one of the unique features of, of Belarusian potash. They're, they're landlocked and they, they move all of their exports through Lithuania. <laughs> and Lithuania has says, no way uh, are we going to permit uh, uh, Belarusian potash to move through our country. And um, Belarus exported, you know, 12, over 12 million tons of potash in 2021 um, through the, most of it through the port of Klaipeda in Lithuania. And uh, today that, that movement has stopped. And uh, again, in 2022, if Belarus is able to get 5 million tons uh, exported through, you know, using rail operations uh, into China, you know, through the West and, and trying to get a little bit of spare export capacity in, in other uh, Russian ports, um, they'll be doing very well. But that that's a shock. So when you stop and think of the big picture, you got a, a big European nitrogen industry that's shut down because of high natural gas prices there. You have China um, dramatically reducing phosphate exports, which shocked the phosphate market. And you have uh, the situation where uh, Belarus is uh, unable to export. So you've really had, you know, that in the face of, you know, reasonably good demand uh, given higher uh, commodity prices worldwide, which has all come together uh, to, you know, really elevate phosphate, uh, elevate all fertilizer prices. You know, I hate to say perfect storm, but you couldn't it's have a storm. lined it up yeah, this much. It, it's, you know, I, I've, I've been in the industry for, you know, 35 years or more. And, uh, I, you know, as I say, there, there are so many moving parts right now. And this is such a unique situation that, you know, something that I, I have never experienced before. So what, when you look at this thing and, you know, farmers are listening to this, right. what should a farmer be thinking about going into 2023? Well, I, I think one of the things that I pick up from retail dealers mm -hmm. is that, particularly in the case of, of phosphate and potash, you know, those are those are nutrients that carry over in the soil. Right. And, and I think we've seen uh, farmers do a lot of soil testing. So uh, I think they, they need to figure out how, how much available phosphorus and potassium do I have in my soil? And, you know, in, in some cases, farmers are very astute when when the, these nutrients are good buys. Yeah. They, they tend to put a little bit in their savings account. And I, I think many of them have, you know, done their soil testing and they have a, a real good read on how much phosphorus is there. And, and given their yield objectives, you know, that they simply need to add the amount that's necessary to achieve that. And is that 80% of, of a normal application? Is it 50%? You know, that that's what they, they'll, they'll figure out. I, I think the, the view that, well, farmers are just going to not use it, uh, probably, I, I don't think there are too many operators that, that will do that in, in the sense that you're really investing in some very expensive seed uh, and other inputs. And why are you going to put that seed in the ground and then starve it? Um, uh, so, but I, I think what's really, you know, important is, um, understanding, you know, how much uh, potassium and phosphorus are in your soil. And then in terms of managing nitrogen, I think, you know, maybe you see a, a bit more split applications. So yeah. uh, you, you put down maybe some anhydrous in the fall and, you know, you assess, you know, what the growing season is, is going to be like, what is the yield potential, and then feed the plant uh, with, uh, you know, split application or applications of, of nitrogen. So, it is a tough situation. I mean, no one, no one is happy with uh, you know fertilizer prices where they're at, um, you know, today in terms of uh, farmers and and, and distributors. Uh, but uh, you know, as I said, that it's really a unique set of 
circumstances that has evolved here in the last uh, um, you know couple of years to uh, elevate uh, prices uh, to, to where they're at today. I mean, the short answer is we're not going to see a lot of price relief going into 2023, basically, that unless something not, significantly changes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, f- f- uh, some barge prices and um, terminal prices have come down okay. from their peaks. So I, I think there's there's a little bit of relief. But are you going to see a collapse of these prices back to where they were at the beginning of 2020? I, I, I don't think so. Um, but it, it's uh, I'm not sure you're going to see the same kind of peaks that we saw in the spring of 2022. Okay. And in fact, um, you know, if, if you look at barge prices, um, you know, you, you're looking at barge prices for phosphate that are a couple hundred dollars less than um, what they were at their peak. And, and the same thing holds true with um, potash. Yeah, I think That's the old good. axiom that, you know, the cure for high prices is high, <laughs> high prices. prices yeah. and, sure. and you're seeing some of that cure, um, you know, begin to take effect. Great. Mike, I appreciate your insight on this. And sure. so do the farmers listening to Around Farm Progress. Good to talk to you. Okay. Very fine. Thank you. Off mic, Rom added that factors like the war in Ukraine and alleged profiteering by the fertilizer industry are often the key targets when discussing these higher prices. Yet those factors aren't all that he discussed in our conversation. He says it's those demand factors that make the biggest difference. Thanks to Mike Rom for his insights. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform, Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and more. And if you have a smart speaker, all you have to do is tell it to listen to Around Farm Progress and you'll hear the latest episode. Farm Progress is the nation's leading agriculture information source with 17 state and regional brands as well as farm futures, beef, national hog farmer and feedstuffs and our events including the just finished farm progress show husker harvest days and the new york farm show we've just closed the gates on a successful farm progress show in boone iowa now it's on to husker harvest days the event runs september 13 14 and 15 near grand island nebraska you can learn all you need to know by visiting huskerharvestdays.com including buying tickets in advance for the show and you know buying tickets online can save you five dollars on adult prices Check it out. Join us next week as we continue our agriculture journey around the country. I'm Willie Vogt, Editorial Director at Farm Progress. Thanks for listening.